You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Ahoy, awesome alliance of attentive, alert, and adorable attendees aching for action. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 164, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your beautiful, bumbling bunch of brains. You made that one. Yeah. (laughs) I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Because it was a little bit mean. (laughs) Right, right, right. A little bit mean and a little bit positive. So it cancels it out. Yeah. Well, before we get started, uh, I want to at least thank everybody who showed up to our first ever Good Job Brain live show. Yes. Yay, yes. That was so much fun. I, yeah. I can't believe we did it. That was crazy. It, that was the best. We should do that again. <laughs> We're going to do it again. Yeah. I think when I first got up on stage and started talking, like I said, I did the first segment and I kind of started talking. I, 30 seconds into it, I, just, I thought to myself like, Oh my God, what are we doing? <laughs> like, yeah. They can't possibly want to hear this. There is um, a lot of, uh, what do you call it, imposter syndrome. We got our friend uh, Justin to take amazing uh, professional photos because he's a professional photographer. And I'm looking at these photos. I was like, this looks like a legit <laughs> Before our show, I was like, oh yeah, we rented out a theater and we yeah. sold it out. And then as I said it, I was like, oh, what did I agree to do? <laughs> yeah. And then it was, it was it was great it was so much fun and everybody seemed to really like it so yeah thank you thank you guys yeah that was really fun it was great to meet everybody too we did some audience games Mm -hmm. those were really fun yeah some smart people. Out Next there. time we'll do some physical challenges. Yeah. Oh my god. Definitely yeah. we need, the, we need Double the, dare. We need the slime yeah. and the we need no, some whipped no cream, jello yeah, pools. Yeah, yeah. 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 Feats of strength. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that would be that would be the that be that would be awesome. Really fun. That would be great yeah. or bad depending on the venue, I think. Yeah. yeah. We're gonna have to start getting people to sign waivers. Yeah. yeah. What is that show, Legends of the Hidden Temple? Legends yeah. of the Hidden Temple. Yeah. Oh, so we'll me, I grew up with the UK version of Crystal Maze. To look through the foam pool. Yeah. Right, and assemble the monkey. Yeah, yeah okay. assemble the monkey. Okay, yeah, yeah we'll do that. We're not going to do that. So if no. you haven't listened to the episode immediately prior to this one, you can get some flavor of oh, yeah. what it was you like to go, be there. You can listen to it. Yeah. yeah. On purpose, it's, I did uh, yeah. not include the whole show because you know half the show was audience games. And as someone who wasn't there, it might be yeah. like a lot of pausing and stuff. But we put in Q&A. Uh, and then uh, our normal parts of the show. So we would have these meetings about the live show, and we'd make everybody would make about ten or fifteen like jokes about <laughs> things we should do with the live show. And then it was funny to show up and like not all of them, but like five percent of those jokes. We it turns out we're actually going <laughs> to do them. Yeah. Uh, and I showed up at the live show, and there were already we joked about putting ponchos on the first row of seats. As if you were like going to a Gallagher yeah, show or no, SeaWorld. Well, the first row was the splash zone. <laughs> and we they were really they were there. And we just made everybody put on rainbow ponchos. And then they thought that they were going to get splashed uh, at some at point. Like a theater. Yeah. And, then at the, and then at the very end, we were just like, oh, yeah, we were just kidding. Make sure you check out our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com slash goodjobbrain. We have uh, photos 
We, we, one of the jokes we made were, was like, oh, wouldn't it be fun if we had like those movie theater, movie trivia, right. like anagrams yep. and stuff. And, yep. and, we we actually, and we actually did do that and it, it animated in a really cheesy way and it would dissolve out. Um, so all those slides are also on our, our Facebook page oh. that for, for, for your enjoyment. Oh, look at them. They're so good. <laughs> they are so good. You have to go look. So check out our Facebook page for that. Um, all right, and without further ado, let's jump into our general trivia segment, Pop Quiz Hot Shot. Are you guys ready? No. I have a random trivia pursuit card that randomly grabbed from the box, and this is 80s. We've Whoa. Never, trivial pursuit, totally 80s. Rad. Oh, oh rad. Uh, everybody get your barnyard buzzers. Here we go. Blue Wedge for TV. What TV series did Steven Spielberg name for one of his dad's favorite sci-fi magazines? <laughs> Call it. Uh, I believe that was Amazing Stories. Correct. Uh, okay. That was a fun little show for a while. Mm-hmm. Have you tried to watch it recently? No. Does it hold up? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> All right. Pink Wedge for WC. I don't know what... That might mean. What first lady of the 1980s was shocked to find a tremendous rat swimming with her in the White House pool? <laughs> I mean, Chris, there's only the, the two, so I'm yeah. going to guess just based on, uh, you know, Nancy Reagan? Incorrect. Oh, well. Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush. Barbara Bush. <laughs> All right. Quote, a tremendous rat. Or like Rosalind Carter in... January, right, right, right. The one week of she had her yeah. last access. Yeah. Next question, Yellow Wedge. What counter-revolutionary group was denied U.S. aid by the Boland Amendment? Uh, okay. Oh, Chris, government guy. The, um, counter-revolutionary group, it, the Contras. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Like the video game. Yeah, like the video mm-hmm. game. And life. <laughs> and real life. All right. Uh, Purple Wedge. What pop starlet got Diane Keaton to direct the video for her hit, Heaven is a Place on Earth? Oh, uh, that was Dana. Belinda Carlisle? Correct. I didn't know that. Ooh, was not going to. Huh. Oh, so she, wow. Diane Keaton directed. I, didn't I know did not she know that. Directed huh. stuff. When I was a little kid, my best friend's mom loved that song and oh. would always play it in the car. So now it's like, oh, Laura's mom and Belinda Carlisle are like <laughs> intermixed in my mind. I think Belinda Carlisle <laughs> looks like Laura's mom. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Green Wedge. Who got an Oscar nod for her role as the dirt poor farmer Jewel Ivy in Country? Wow. Whoa. Oscar. I don't, haven't heard of. I don't know uh, any of movie. those words. Haven't heard of any. <laughs> uh, Colin, go for it. Uh, no, I'm thinking, Yolo. Of I, I'm thinking of a different movie. I was going to say Sally Field, but I'm, I'm, I'm not thinking of the right movie. It's like Coal Miner's Daughter. No, but no. it was a place. Meryl Streep. Yeah. Incorrect. Well, you know. It is ah. Jessica Lange. Ah. Sure. Lange. 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 Not mm-hmm. Lange. No. Mange. No. Not Mange. <laughs> Mange. <laughs> All right. Last question. <laughs> What was the top-selling imported beer in the U.S. throughout the '80s? Everybody, listen. Heineken. Oh, I was gonna, oh. I was gonna, I was gonna <laughs> say Corona. Oh, Heineken. Uh, oh. Point for Chris. Woo! Good job, brains. Totally '80s. Woo! Pew 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 pew. Lasers. The '80s. I guess arcade Lasers. <laughs> you know, space invaders. <laughs> Lots of you wrote in clamoring. 
for a mythology episode. But we're gonna blow it up. We're gonna we're gonna go bigger, and we're gonna go with folklore and world mythology. It's time to get folked up. Yeah. Folk, folk, to the water every morning just at nine. Hit her foot against a splinter, fell into the foaming brine. Oh my darling, oh my darling, oh my darling Clementine, you are lost and gone forever. Dreadful, sorry, Clementine. I'll start us off. So, like, when you say when you say folklore, mm-hmm. all right. Webster's defines folklore. No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Yeah, no, no, no. no. I, that's one of my least favorite uh, rhetorical oh, really? devices. Yes, um, but for for a lot of people, unless you're giving a valedictorian speech at high school, yeah, I think that's yeah. probably like a best man right? speech. Oh my god, that's the only, oh that's the that's only totally place that it should be. Is. Oh, like, is, I think right. that's like success yeah. is defined by. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. my god, but I do. So it is helpful to talk about what a lot of people think. For when you say folklore, I, I think it's fair to say that for a lot of people. They think, you know, myths, legends, you know, like proverbs, folktales, that's kind of what they think. And some people, maybe it's just like, oh, myths and legends, that's, that's folklore. But, but, you know, really, like folklore is, is a lot bigger than that. Folklore includes folk music. It includes uh, customs and rituals. I mean, it's, you know, broadly speaking, it's just any part of our cultural lives that's passed down either as an oral tradition or mm. person to person, or you kind of just, oh, I just learned it on the playground. You know, like that's all oh. folklore. It's, it's anything that's passed down that's not official. There's not, it's not <laughs> coming from a guidebook or this is the way we do it. You know, it's so many of the things like, you know, we've all had those conversations with friends like, oh, I learned it this way. You learned it that way. Like mm-hmm. that's a feature of folklore. It's like it kind of mutates on its own and gets passed down person to person. Um, when I was in college, um, I, I, I took some really cool classes on folklore. And what I loved the most about the intro class I took in particular uh, was how much time the professor spent on humor. Just, I mean, oh, uh, sure. almost all of our classic jokes, jokes that's all folklore. That it's is. like, who wrote that joke? I don't know. It's lost to the right, mists of time. Right, that's, right, yep. it's transmitted person to person, or I heard it and it kind of, you know, you tweak it and you make it your own. Your mama jokes. Your mama jokes are a class. <laughs> we spent time talking about your mama jokes and the dozens, you know, yeah. as they were called before that. Absolutely. That's great classic American folklore. I was always really interested in pranks what they what like the very technical uh, ritualized pranks and jokes you mm-hmm. know so this would include stuff like like april fools pranks would fall into there uh and a lot of hazing and initiation rites oh. okay and i don't mean the kind of hazing like where you're you know paddling people and making them drink too much although that that could be its own study of folklore as well mm-hmm. i love the idea of fools errands these are my favorite oh. category of initiation rites and pranks okay so you guys know what a fool's errand is like, right like a snipe hunt like a snipe hunt yeah, yeah. snipe hunt isn't up it is when, uh, yes <laughs> he told russell to go find the snipe the with a bird right and he gives him directions on how to do it, right? Yeah. He says you got to yeah. bang the sticks together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's right, yeah. That's a classic one uh, at camp. You know, it's like the new campers come in and you're telling them, here's the snipe yeah. hunt. And it's, you or know, it's- then the, the classic version is you give them a pillowcase and a flashlight and you send them out into the woods and you're like, all right, so you got to beat the bushes because that's where the snipe hide. So <laughs> yeah. when they run out, you got to shine the flashlight in their face. It'll freeze them. Mm-hmm. And then you catch them in the pillowcase. Catch them in the pillowcase, right. And so does it classify as lore? Like, I feel like lore is so, like, to me, lore means stories and old tales and stuff so as i was saying yeah i mean for a lot 
lot of people, I think that's where their mind first goes. But no, absolutely. Folklore, it's just, it's any practice, belief, narrative that's passed down without sort of being official. When I was, uh, when this is one for my personal life. When I was a young camper, the first time at camp, the counselors tried to convince us when we were out on the trail that you had to tuck orange peels behind your ears to keep the spores out of your ears. Oh. And we're like, well, the spores, like, oh yeah, they're like little uh, insects. They'll climb inside your ears. <laughs> And like, you know, part of yeah. me is like, like, I don't think that's right, yeah. but I I'm going like to do it anyway. It sounds scientific. Told me about this. It sounds yeah. scientific. So you're like, maybe. Yep. Yeah. Maybe. Um, yeah. Citrus. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it's a sort of the running theme of a lot of these ritualized pranks. Again, as I say, is initiation into a group. It's like you're the new person and you find them a lot in places that are very tight knit or that have a lot of jargon, you know, hospitals, uh, the military, the, the circus, um, any kind of craft or guild, you know, that has very specialized training. So what I did is I wanted to find some of the best fool's errands, ritualized pranks I could find. And this is a very classic one. I've seen this one many places. Uh, if you're on a painting crew, for instance, you might, your first day, the supervisor sends you to go get a gallon of striped paint. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So the guy goes up to the store, yeah, I need a gallon of striped paint. <laughs> yeah, like if you're a carpenter's apprentice, you know, a common one, I guess, is you might be sent to find the board lengthener. It's like, oh, this, <laughs> this board is too short. Go in the back and find the board lengthener. And the, the joke is, it's- how? How long is it going to take this poor person right. to realize they are being made fun of? Yeah. And yeah. they get passed down from generation to generation. No one knows who the first person asked for a board lengthener yeah. or right. a gallon right. of striped paint. <laughs> the cycle of abuse continues. These are kind of like in dad joke territory. Yeah. Oh, a lot of them are very dad jokey. Yeah. Um, on a farm, you, you can send the new kid to go gather hen's teeth. It's like, uh, yeah, go out. Yeah, don't come back. I need like, I need a bucket of hen's teeth. <laughs> go to collect pigeon milk. Ew. Oh, <laughs> oh my god. Bring back something creamy. Yeah. I stopped counting at 10 of how many variants on this next one I found. Uh, if you're in like a mechanic shop or a tool shop, you will often send the new guy to go find a left-handed wrench. Yes. Or yes, yes. a left-handed screwdriver, yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. Go find a box of straight hooks. Uh, oh, go, <laughs> right, right. Uh, go get me some sheets of smooth sandpaper. <laughs> Wait, do they? Do people still do this? People still do variations yeah. on these. Absolutely. I was reading them some uh, submarine uh, sort of initiation rites on a sub. The new uh, seaman on board. You send him to the engine room and tell them that uh, to get a machinist's punch. So they go to the engine room and they're like, yeah, I need a machinist punch. So the machinist mate will punch them on the arm. Is that like a Hertz donut? It's a lot like a Hertz donut. Yes. What's a Hertz donut? It's like, this is your sibling doing Uh, it. It's like, oh, do you want a Hertz donut? And you're like, yeah, I want a donut. And then they hit you and they're like, Hertz donut. And you're like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Karen is going over the list of times people have asked her to do all these things. It's like, oh, no. That's why. Straightened all those hooks. You uh, say nothing of the pigeons. Right, yeah. exactly. Those poor pigeons. What did I bring them? Yeah. I'm not gonna... <laughs> I know. That's true. I'm thinking, like, I feel bad for like the hens who this kid is like opening the around. mouth. Yeah. Uh, in a hospital setting, if you're if you're a nurse's aide, yeah, you might be sent to fetch ten feet of fallopian tube. Oh my god! Oh. It's, it's like you can't find it. What do you do? You go up to the nearest person and you say, 
hey, I have to get 10 feet of fallopian tubes. <laughs> and of course, since they're in on it, they're going to tell you, oh, yeah, just go see them in, you know, down in room 3C down the hallway yeah. up the... Uh, exactly. Yeah, right. There's a tradition, again, among these initiation rites of the long stand. So your boss, you know, says to you, oh, go and see uh, this person in Office 10. Uh, tell me you need a long stand. So you go over there, and they're like, oh, I don't have the long stand. The long stand is down in Department C. <laughs> Eventually, it dawns on you that the long stand is you standing there for a long time. Yeah. Right, right. It's like it's not mean enough that you would never do it to somebody else, but it it's memorable enough that you would use that power when you are the old person. Right, right. So that's why it carries on. It's interesting. It's like... And you know it's this it's a lot not of abuse. Yet. It's it's really mean. It's like I I feel like you might go to HR if you do that now. <laughs> like, <laughs> it happens in cultures where it has built up over a long time. Yeah. You know, and Karen, yeah. you know, I mean, back to what we we're talking about before. Another aspect of things that are in the domain of folklore is a lot of people are going to have heard it and have heard different stories. Like, oh, I thought my company came up with that. Or it's like, oh, no, I thought no. my troop right. was the one that came up with right. that. It's right. they're yeah. more widespread than you think. Yeah. This, this one this one made me laugh. <laughs> I don't know why this one tickled me the most, but uh, I was reading about a fool's errand. This was sometimes done in an April Fool's prank in Norway, okay, in the mid-1800s. You would send children to the neighbors to ask to borrow warmth out of a bed. Oh, <laughs> that's sad. That's sad. It might help if you have a Norwegian sense of humor. Uh, yeah, I'm freezing. <laughs> uh, why don't you go sleep in their bed? <laughs> there was a there was a scene even in uh, Game of Thrones, uh, both in the books and on the TV show, uh, when uh, when Ned is talking to King Robert Baratheon mm-hmm. early on, and he's talking about where uh, his squire is, and he says, "Oh, I sent him to find a breastplate stretcher." And basically, yeah. the joke is he's running around just out of my hair looking for something that doesn't exist, which is also kind of the role of oh, a fool's errand. It it's yeah. get out of my hair for a little while, yep. and yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, and That's I will so. close it out here with one little extra trivia nugget of the snipe hunt. So the the snipe. The snipe is a real bird. There is oh, an yeah. actual bird called the snipe. They are um, reportedly very hard to catch, very hard to hunt. So hard to catch and hunt that you tend to have to shoot them from a distance. This is where the word sniper comes from. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Get out. To snipe at comes directly from to hunt snipe, which was the technique you would use yeah. when you were hunting these little birds. And from there is where we get our sniper. Someone who is good at shooting things from a distance. Mind blown. Yeah. As in a snipe. Holy Whoa. Huh. So That's you what, don't. That's my guess. Put the flashlight on them. <laughs> you will not yeah. catch you just them. Put this crosshair. Yep. And, uh, sniper rifle. Rookie mistake. Yeah. <laughs> Hitting the bush with this. <laughs> yeah. That's the part. Is yeah. you just whack those bushes really good. Yeah. yeah. You're for sure not going to catch. Yeah. <laughs> so another major part of folklore, uh, as, as I think you mentioned, Colin, is uh, folk music, uh, and I am a big fan of of Irish folk music. Mm. And uh, so I'd like to talk about that. I, I'm going to start off by reciting some words that were written in 1913. Okay. okay. Just for the heck of it. Folk music, then, is the true national melody handed down traditionally for centuries with surprising fidelity until, in the more civilized and cultured time, it has been interpreted into musical notation. Irish music has been admired wherever its melting strains have been heard, and it has been said that the Irishman's whole life is set to song. 
He is crooned to sleep in his cradle by immemorial lullabies, and the weird wail of the keen follows him to the grave. Whoa. <laughs> okay. These words were written uh, by a guy named Francis O'Neill, and he is considered one of the most important figures in traditional Irish music. Is he a historian? But but why? Oh. We'll find out. He, he was born near County Cork in Ireland in 1848. Now, does anybody want to tell me what was going on in Ireland in 1848 or thereabouts? Mm, potato famine. The potato famine. Mm. The great potato famine um, in which millions of people died. Yeah. Lots of people died. Huge population decline and a lot of people left Ireland. When he was uh, 16 years of age, uh, Francis O'Neill left his native Ireland uh, to become, this is great, a cabin boy. Oh. Oh. Who among us has not <laughs> dreamed of becoming a cabin boy uh, setting sail on an English merchant vessel? It does sound very romantic. romantic. Doesn't yeah, it? It does. Doesn't See it? the world. I will share one story of his travels, uh, which was relayed to us in a book written by one Francis O'Neill. Um, so, you know, I don't know if he's unreliable or whatever, but he's the only one who told this story. Uh, at one point, they shipwrecked on Baker Island, which is halfway between Hawaii and Australia. Um, oh. As in, like, the ship broke apart and was totally destroyed. Now, this oh. is where they were going. Um, oh, and, right. well, Yes. <laughs> okay. Luckily. And the United States was actually occupying this island um, with a few people um, to collect and export guano. Okay. Ah, bird poop. No, bird, bird oh. guano. Um, because of the saltpeter in it to make yeah. gunpowder. Yeah. Oh. Um, and there, it's the, the, the importing of guano. Like they were doing a lot of this apparently. Um, like all, like many, many islands that had guano deposits that were in the Pacific. The United States was like sending small groups of people there to, Fill ships full of poop. I'll yep. take that and poop send off them your back hands. to America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, luckily, there were people on this island, and uh, they supplied them with uh, the, the the crew of the ship that Francis O'Neill was on. They supplied them with hardtack and water mm. to live on. What's hardtack? Um, it is like the worst bread you've, oh, okay. you've ever eaten in your life. Hence hard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then a ship uh, finally came by to take them to Honolulu, and they were rescued off of Baker Whoa. Island. Uh, and then on the ship, um, again, they were eating hardtack and water, uh, and um, everybody, once they got to Honolulu, was malnourished, yeah. with the exception of Francis O'Neill and a couple other people. And he says it is because one of the uh, Hawaii natives, who was the crew of this boat, had a flute. And he borrowed it. Then he played tunes such as Yankee Doodle. This endeared the Hawaiian uh, to him. They became friends. And he, quote, shared his daily ration of uh, koi and salmon with me. Oh. They, they bonded <laughs> over music on this on this ship. And Man, so the, they didn't share it with other people. No. There's no, they did so not. Much. Not everybody's cool about Yankee Doodle. Musicians <laughs> get paid, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you could play music, you could you will buy your drinks, or in this case, your poi and salmon rations. Uh, so he lands in San Francisco. He goes all around the United States. He gets married. He ends up uh, finally in Chicago, which is where he stayed. And so Francis O'Neill joins the police department, and then from 1901 to 1905, after many years of service, uh, he was actually Chicago's Chief of police mm. for, for four years. Uh, very well liked. Apparently people said that he lasted like through a couple of political administrations, but because that job was 
really a political appointment. Yeah. Like that meant that he was, you know, really good. Huh. Um, yeah, he's yeah. just charismatic. Oh, he's, he's, he's like a charismatic guy. He's a nice guy. So, yeah. let's, so he would take his powers of persuasion to yeah. really interesting places because while he was in Chicago, he, he devoted himself to what would become his legacy. Uh, the preservation of Irish traditional music. Wow. So a lot of this music, um, you know, centuries old was never really written down. Sure, it was passed sure. in the, you know, in the oral acoustic stick tradition from musician to musician but but meanwhile the population of ireland is plummeting Mm -hmm. all the irish people are going all over the world so it's possible that the music will actually get lost right it was starting to get lost so and also it was not high culture it was looked down upon as low culture so how did he get the music here are some anecdotes from wttw that's the pbs station in chicago one person, one person says, as soon as he heard of Pipers coming to America, he would bring them all to Chicago, put them on the police force, <laughs> and write down their music. What? So he'd give them jobs as oh, police officers. What? So they'd have jobs, but reason to stay, I mean, they needed jobs. <laughs> but guess. then he would just sit with them and just like write down all of them. Yes. Yeah, so basically just, you know, kind of abusing his power. Right. As yeah. police chief a little bit. Yeah, maybe, but that, that, you know. that police department is like the most musical. Incredibly musical <laughs> yeah. police department. <laughs> just, he would, yeah. uh, another quote, he would travel the streetcars of Chicago in civilian clothing, listening to people on the street humming and whistling tunes. Whoa. And he would <laughs> just tap you on the shoulder. Yeah. And he would basically like, you know, whistle or hum mm. that for me and then he'd learn it on the whistle and he'd go back he, he could not write musical notation but one of his sergeants did so he'd go oh, and wow. he'd play it for him and the sergeant would write it down wow. it's like a three-step yeah. process yep after he retired from the police force in 1905 and, and, and until his death in 1936 he just tirelessly passionately tracked down every tune he possibly could he had musicians send him wax cylinders oh, of wow. tunes over the course of his life, I mean, just in the books that he collected, there are 3,500 tunes wow. that he kind of collected and, and put into put into publication. I think he's he is probably better known in Ireland than he is in America or Chicago. Hmm. Like in Ireland, oh, there is a statue of him in County Cork. Thanks to him. Right. That. Probably the only, like, American police chief who has a, <laughs> like, a statue yeah. uh, in Ireland. But That's awesome. Francis O'Neill, crazy. That's right? really cool. Yeah. So we talked about Greek myths on the show before. We've talked about it a few times because it does come up in trivia. And, and we do enjoy talking about it. And we do. It's fascinating. Hmm. Fascinating. Fast and there's stories. so many stories. Yeah, there's so many stories, and they are... I mean, I was going to say crazy, <laughs> but they are outlandish. They yeah, are yeah. very... Like, I don't see those motifs showing up like in that way. And other stories are very creative and they, you don't really know who wrote it or you know who wrote it down, but you don't know where it came from. They gotta um, be crazy, you know, in order for you to remember them. To be sticky. Yeah. 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 Sticky. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, I mean, uh, we've talked God to, turned into yeah. a swan and had sex with a lady. I what? mean, yeah. there's so much bestiality. Yeah, yeah. So much. <laughs> well, you gotta keep everybody interested. You like, see, yeah. you yeah. see your interest is waning and then you're like, and then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? You're like, excuse me? You start to see, start to see the person again? start to nod off a little bit and say, um, <laughs> Then, well, then a horse walked in. Turned into a horse. And <laughs> and they're like, was... oh, wait, there's a horse. Something's like, gonna, oh, something oh, freaky is yeah. going to happen right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so I, I made a quiz about the Greek gods, and we've talked about the Greek gods before. I made like a a weird mnemonic, like with the Greek and Roman gods. Yep. So this is oh like- sorry, I'm gonna interrupt <laughs> you really quickly because I think this is very very important. <gasps> okay, there is a very famous statue in the Louvre that is a torso mm-hmm. and it has no arms. What do you call it? I think you're looking for Venus oh, the de Venus Milo. De Milo. Oh, okay. Apparently, you're not supposed to call it Venus de Milo. Oh, it's Aphrodite yes. de Milo because it oh. was created by a Greek person, yes. not oh. a Roman or Italian person. So saying Venus de Milo is actually wrong. It is Aphrodite de Milo. And the Louvre says that. The Louvre oh, yeah? tells yes. you that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Anyways, that's, sorry. That, so, I no, mean, that's no. a Greek god, a uh, Roman name thing. It's a Louvre, I'm um, actually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Louvre. Yeah. So, I, I decided for this quiz, we've moved past, like, what these gods are, like, what the, you know, 12, 13, 14, it depends on your definition of the gods of Olympus. We, we already know their names. We know what they're the gods of. So, this one um, is a little bit deeper of a cut. It's like, which one was in this story? Like, okay. Okay. Um, for example, um, who turned Medusa into a monster? Who turned? Oh. Which Greek god turned Medusa into a monster? She was a she was a woman. Yeah, yeah. She is had it, sex with a god. Is it Zeus? No, is it, no. It, it was uh, Poseidon. No, Juno. she had sex with Poseidon. Oh, Juno in the temple of Athena. Ah, Athena did it. Right, right. Yes. Right, right. Yeah, that's wall. There you go. That's there you go. Deep cuts. Do you know who yep. made Medusa? It was Athena. You guys buzz in, and we'll 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 get through this. We'll get through this together. <laughs> we'll work it. We'll work it out. Um, who showed Helen of Troy to Paris, and that which started the Trojan oh. War? Chris. Ares. No. Oh, that's a good guess. By showing uh, Helen of Troy to Paris, Paris was struck with great desire for her. Mm -hmm. Right. Aphrodite. Aphrodite Uh, did it. Wow, gotcha. So Pandora in Greek mythology was the first human woman, and she was created by the gods. Oh, I didn't know that. First human woman created by the gods. Who created her? Oh, man. Who crafted her? Yeah... Who was the crafty yeah, god? Yeah, yeah, Crafty god. Yeah. Yes. Or the one who was a maker. He made robots as well. That's my word. Yeah. Hephaestus. Hephaestus. Yes! Yeah. That's right. He is crafty. Yeah. 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 Um, He's a maker. <laughs> what's his other name? Vulcan? Yeah. The Roman. God of the forge. He's married to Aphrodite. Who is the great-grandparent of Odysseus, the famous traveler? Odysseus! Is the descendant of a Greek god, Mm. according to myth. Okay. Um, uh, Apollo. No. Hmm. Poseidon? No. Because I thought he was a sailor. That's a good, I mean, good reasoning. It's a traveling god. Oh, her... Hermes. Hermes, yes. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Would you, what would you say? I said Apollo. He's the sun god. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking. I was thinking of the the winged messenger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had dominion over the sky and air? Sky and air. Oh, uh, Chris. Apollo. No. Damn. <laughs> Close. Uh, I mean, he had dominion over the sun, mm-hmm. but no. Sky and air. Who got the sky and air? Was uh, Colin. Was that also Poseidon? No. Okay. 
one of the major gods? Yes. Zeus. Mm. It's Zeus. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thunder. Yeah. So they, we're, we're overthinking. We're thinking we're like, yeah. Cuts, yeah. They, they divided the the world into three. Sky and air. Yep. Water mm-hmm. and the underworld. Mm-hmm. And so Zeus was the Poseidon's the water. Yep. Hades. Hades is the underworld. Which Greek god was Hercules named for? Chris. Hera. Hera. Oh. She hated him. Well, also, yeah. he, like, I mean, he's... Heracles. Heracles. Heracles in in Greek. But yeah. it but it means like the fame of Hera. Right. Like right. they were trying to kiss up to her, but she But she hate she did all the, the bad things yeah. to him. That's because it was <laughs> she was married to Zeus and that was right. Zeus's um illegitimate yeah. child. So Hera's responsible for the Milky Way, according to Greek legend. Why? Hmm. Was it like it, a like what? a bridge? No, it relates to Hercules. Mm. Was it his milk? Was it his mother's so milk? Mad <laughs> that she smashed. Colin was on the right track with the mother's milk. They tricked her into nursing him, ah. and then when she figured out it was Hercules, she like ripped him off, and then the milk Ew. became the Milky Way. Ew. Those stories are bananas. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Which Greek god symbols are horses, bulls, and dolphins? Uh, Karen, Zeus. No. Oh. Horses, bulls, and dolphins? Yeah. Wait, is it three? It's one guy. One guy. Dominion over at least those three. This is Poseidon. That's Poseidon. Yeah. Oh. Okay. All right. Yeah, yes. sure. Randomly horses. And he's like earthquakes as well, right? And it's earthquake. Like, yeah. Like almost well, everything. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like all the gods went around once, got like their primary thing, you know? And then like they had to keep going out and fill out. They're like, guys, nobody claimed horses yet. And Poseidon's like, I'll take it. It I was got like it. a I'll draft. It was like a draft. Yeah. The poo-poo platter. Everybody has a... <laughs> Which god gave up their seat at Olympus to prevent discord? Gave up their seat to Dionysus. Dionysus. Oh, Dionysus. It, oh, yeah. Dionysus. Dionysus. It, yes. Oh yeah, who was it? It was. Where um, did they go after that? Yeah, did they become a person? No. Hmm. It's like sometimes they're considered a god, sometimes they're not. Should it was a, a it was a goddess, right? Yes. Oh, um, Ceres, hmm. Dimitri. Is that, I don't even know if these are. She's uh, like grains. Yeah, yeah. grains. Yeah, like, that is a god, but that or that's yeah. the Roman name for the Demeter. Demeter. That's what mm-hmm. oh, I can't remember. It's going to kill me. No, what is it? It's a lady. It's Hestia, the oh. goddess of the hearth. Yes. Oh. There I'm are not, not many sure stories about that. her, but Cause she she's pretty low-key. Yeah. yeah, she's like, eh, you, mm-hmm. you can sit here. I'll just go do <laughs> She's like, whatever. I don't have time for this drama. I don't know. Yeah. Who is sometimes known as the corn mother? <laughs> Karen. Demeter. Demeter. Yes. 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 I just really like that name. The, the corn, corn mother. mother. Corn mother. <laughs> yes. And then lastly... Whose companions are Deimos, which means terror or dread, and Phobos, fear or horror? Oh my god! For Halloween, there you go. Uh, is that Hades? No. Uh, Chris. Cerberus. No. No, that's it's not, not a, a god. god. It's yeah. a dog. But what a dog! Yeah. So. Phobos. Terror Phobos and fear sounds so familiar. Yeah. Are the are the companions of this god? Oh. Uh, is it uh, Thanos? No. Mm. Thanos? No. It's Ares, the god of wars. Oh, sure. Okay. Oh, right. are, mm-hmm. are, are they people or are they thing or what are they? They're like gods. The way like Nemesis is the okay. god. Oh, yeah. I was picturing enemies. like little hounds or something. Yeah, that's what I was like pain and panic from, from no. the cartoon. His cronies. Yeah, the Greeks didn't enjoy war very much, but the Romans did. So it's interesting how they have different relations, relationships with that god oh, in particular. Oh, that is true. Yeah. 
Mm. Like in the video game God of War. Yeah. <laughs> just like in the just video like game. Movies. Just, yeah. just yeah. like in the movies. Just like a lot of threesome mini games. Thanks. Corn, corn mother. mother. Corn you're mother. a corn mother. <laughs> yeah, no, you're a corn I'm mother. I'm in a t-shirt that just says yeah, corn mother. corn mother. All right, let's take a quick break. A word from our sponsor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to Good Job Brain. Smooth puzzles. Smart trivia. Good Job Brain. Well, I know one good way to grab attention on Good Job Brain is to hook a segment around animals. Yeah! Yes. And butts. That's a... Yeah, and well, well, and yeah. or butts. And or. Right, and or. Right. But Whoa. in this case... Are there butts involved in this as well? Uh, so now I'm kind of regretting that I didn't include any animal butts. Well, in they this all have segment. butts. They they do. So it's just like implicitly, yeah, like, they do. There, yeah. They do. So yeah, take that for what you will. Uh, right. I've got. I want to talk to you guys about. Uh, I have some proverbs and some oh, sayings that yes. are an animal related, mm. okay. and I'm I'm pretty sure you guys have heard all of these, you know, before. But I want to talk a little about where they come from, where we think they yeah. come from. You know, I'm the yeah. worst. Uh, at this, yeah, idioms, expressions. Oh, English. really? Oh, oh yeah. right, right, like, right. I'm, do you ever watch Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? It's always like the two thousand dollar question is like steady as a. Oh right, right, right. I don't know. <laughs> right, All right, right, well, you'll yeah. you'll be a good litmus test heartbeat, for this one. Is heartbeat steady? I don't know. So let's get into it with some right. animal animal okay. related sayings here. Uh, so have you you guys have heard the saying "Don't look a gift horse in yes. the mouth"? Right, Karen, mm-hmm. have you heard that one? Yes, but I have no idea what it means. Okay, okay. Um, mm-hmm. Have you heard the saying, this is related, uh, oh. I got it straight from the horse's mouth? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Okay. Those are related, but they mean different things. You know, don't look a gift horse in the mouth basically means if someone gives you a present, you know, don't inspect it too closely. Don't question it. Don't be like, oh, well, this isn't, you know, mm-hmm. the one. It's just take the present, be gracious, and oh, move on. okay. Don't right. look a gift horse in the mouth. Um, and then the saying, got it straight from the horse's mouth basically means... This is the truth. I heard it right from the source. Primary source. The primary source material, right. Right. So what does this mean? What's the focus about looking at a horse's mouth and getting a horse health? Yeah. You can tell health of a horse from its teeth. Also from from its hooves. Gums and the teeth. Yeah, I I would think it's something to do with the Trojan horse. 
Mm. Oh, no, oh you know what? I think you're right, actually. No, no. I'm no. going to go ahead and say, no, you were right originally. You guys, yeah. are, you guys are definitely very, very close. It's mm. really, it's even simpler than the horse's health. It's that you can tell how old a horse is ah. by looking oh, at the horse's sure. teeth. Gotcha. So if someone gives you a horse, you don't want to be like, oh, this old thing? Right, I, right. Yeah. You just want to be like, thank you. Thank yeah. you for the free horse. And then related, yeah, it's like, mm. I got it straight from the horse's mouth. Meaning, I didn't just trust the person to tell me how old the horse is. I, I looked at I looked and made sure for myself. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I really, uh, I thought it was a, I don't know, Trojan horse. Like, if you look in too close, you'll see all the people hiding. Right, Actually, then right, it's right. like you should look they at should gift horse. <laughs> that was a gift horse you. that they should have looked in the mouth. They should have looked so, in the mouth yes, of yes, that yes, gift yes. horse, yeah. Well, I like that you said that, though, Karen, because so this, the, the don't look a gift horse in the mouth is is a proverb in sort of the, the truer sense. Um, but there are also some sayings, you know, that are more like idioms where we can actually trace like, oh, this is where it first entered the language. But what I like about the folklore aspect of those is the folk out Etymologies coming up with these, like you say, it's like if we don't know the gift horse, you kind of have to come up with an explanation for why it makes uh, sense. Yeah, like like an egg corn, if you will, which we've talked about. All right, you guys have heard of a red herring. Yes. Mm. All right, Karen. Karen, what's a what's a red herring? A red herring is uh, in a mystery. Uh, it's something that throws you off. It's like a you think it's a clue, but it's not a clue. It's something to there to throw you off. One hundred percent correct. Absolutely. On the, uh, That's the metaphorical meaning. Yes. You know the the uh, the guy in the you know you read the Da Vinci Code, right? Yeah. No. I did not. The Da Vinci yes. Code. Okay, so half of this podcast read the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> the, uh, the guy they set up as the obvious villain of the story who turns out to not be the villain of the story. His name is Bishop Aringarosa, uh, which is uh, Italian for red herring. Oh, is that really? really? Yeah. Wow. Yep. It's that transparent. Oh, and, uh, you, Yes, Dan it's Brown is that yes. transparent. It, it yeah. is. It is. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Do you, okay, so so where did this come from? Why do we? Why is something that throws you oh. off the trail that throws a detective? Why is that a red herring? Where do, where do we get that term from? This is good. Is that Agatha Christie? No, no. no. Um, you're what thinking the it? sort of the right country of origin, though. England. It's, it's much more British originally. Hmm. I do I'm not. Trying know. to remember. Do you, it, is there no such thing as a red herring? Is no, that, no, no, no. In fact, <laughs> yeah. so so there's. Let's break this down. There's two oh, okay. levels. A okay. red herring is red herring meaning to distinguish it from other types of herring. Sure. So this sure. isn't like the actual fish. This would be herring that you would eat. Red herring is smoked herring. Red herring, oh. that's all that that is. It's herring that's been smoked and dried. Mm-hmm. Okay. To contrast it with, like, white herring, which might be salted but not smoked. Okay. Or okay. black herring, etc. Okay. And where this enters the meaning of throwing someone off the trail uh, is that it was it was part of a training aid for hunting dogs. Oh, of course. Oh, so they if drag you were, it across the trail or something like that. If Ew. you were in sort of the classic British, you know, out hunting foxes, the fox and the hounds type right. of thing, as part of training the hounds to track a fox's scent, you would train them, you know, with a dead fox or whatever your prey was. If you had a dog that was that was really tough to train, you could resort to using a red herring because it's so powerful a smell. Basically, like, you know, if you mm. can't get a dog to follow the red herring, yeah. this, this dog may not be cut out for a life of uh, fox hunting. Wow. But so then from there, the meaning got to be basically that if you wanted to intentionally trick a dog, throw a dog off a track, yeah. you could use a red herring. And so from there, wow. exactly yeah. the meaning that you have, Karen. Wow. Is, yeah. That's, that's nice. This goes back, yeah, to, to at least 1800, you know, if not earlier. And in fact, there is a book called The Gentleman's Recreation uh, from 1688 describing the literal practice of red herring in, in mm. hound training. Mm, wow. Yeah. Wow. All right, last one here. Have you guys heard the expression, the kangaroo court? 
So yeah. this isn't a real court. I got this is just a total kangaroo court. Right. Yeah. What does that What does that mean? Kangaroo court. It's like a crooked court, right? It's you're not going to get justice in that court. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's not that. It's just silly. It's, it's no, no, no. It's not like the, the gavel is squeaky. <laughs> oh, no. Like a clown court. Yeah, no. that's, that's what I think. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's like a, like an ad hoc court or like a mock court, like not not legal in any sense of the word, mm-hmm. but sort of thrown together by the people there. So you'll have a kangaroo court, say, oh. in like jail. You know, or if mm-hmm. you have some infraction, your fellow inmates might set up a kangaroo uh, court, basically, okay. or like frontier justice kind of. This is a this is not a real court. This is a kangaroo court. Mm. Hmm. Any any guesses? Any ideas? Australia, Australia, where it comes Australia. from? Well, yeah, but I would have guessed Australia too. Mm-hmm. It actually is American, as best as they can tell. It's slightly unclear, but it traces back to the um, to America about the mid eighteen hundreds. Okay. And they would have had to have had had uh, knowledge of the kangaroo. Yes, exactly. Yeah, right. right. It can't right. be like 1300s yeah. or yeah. <laughs> um, one prevailing theory, uh, and OED talks about this, is that it it may have had something to do with the notion of claim jumpers because it dates to right around the period of the gold rush. I the, don't know what those are. So if you like in the gold rush, I'm staking a claim. Like oh. this is my plot of land. I'm mining here, and someone else comes along and jumps your claim. Basically, you know, stealing it, squatting it on it. They're a claim jumper. And the idea is that miners would sort of set up their own courts, basically, to try oh, these claim jumpers. jumpers. And yeah. possibly it alludes to the jumping or the leaping of wow. how quick oh, the, wow. the, the proceedings uh, happen. Um, and that's and that's plausible. That's possible. Yeah. Um, but what's also interesting is... It's I one get, of those things that sounds a little bit too good. Yeah. It does. A little bit. Yeah. Especially... Yeah, especially oh, okay. since there's no kangaroo. The Old West, though, had really good words. Like, they had bamboozle, and they had, like... <laughs> I mean, like, kangaroo is kind of in that... Fun, yeah. Fun well, to say. So here's slang. what's interesting, yeah. is that those kind of courts were also called Mustang courts mm. uh, in the West in the States. So, again... That sounds cool. Well, it sounds cool, but the idea is more like a wild animal. Uh, and I think uh, 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 I think that that is more plausible, that it. it's like a Mustang court, a kangaroo court. It's just yeah. sort of out of control and leaping along and... Coming to what no, who knows what conclusions. Call a yeah. bunny court. That's too cute, though. Yeah, yeah. it's like, oh, yeah. I'd love to be in a bunny, bunny court. Bunny court. Bunny court. <laughs> <laughs> How right. was bunny court? Homie? Yeah, they hang the fine. guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was pretty good. Good job, guys. You. Yeah, uh, I hope you uh, do not get hmm. caught with red herrings uh, and That's end up fiction. in a kangaroo court and have to look a gift horse in the mouth. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And we have one last segment. 
So probably the first uh, time in our lives that we ever interact with folklore is when we hear our first nursery rhymes, mm. when our parents repeat these these bits of, of weird poetry to us that don't, they don't make yeah. any sense. And they keep yeah. that, they don't make any yeah. sense. Yeah. None at all. But yeah. they but the, for some reason they think that this is the this is so important to teach to children. Like as yeah. as soon as they know how to talk, it's like you we should teach you these nursery rhymes that make no sense, don't apply to your life whatsoever. It's nursery um, rhymes and farm animals. As nursery if, rhymes and farm oh, animals. Oh, that's kids true. Kids interact with farm barn, animals. Yeah. Barn sets. Like what yeah. The, yeah, like what the what all the farm animals say. Yeah. Very important for you to know this for like old McDonald had a farm. That's right. right. It's all it's yeah. like I, I don't even think, I've only been to a farm like twice. So I want to go through a few nursery rhymes and just talk about them a little bit. And mm-hmm. th- th- see, there's this weird thing about nursery rhymes. I don't know why this is, but for some reason, everybody wants nursery rhymes to be like <laughs> encoded death messages like everybody wants oh did you hear that what this nursery rhyme is really talking about and it's it's like it's either about you know the plague right or pirates or it's a dropping baby or it's a yeah pirate secret pirate yeah. codes coded political satire oh, there, right. there oh, are like, the, oh you're right i've never noticed that everybody yeah. wants Nursery rhymes to be those things. Nursery rhymes are very often not those things. Off the top of my head, I've, I've ri- I think I can think of five like origin story. Or, yeah, you know, yeah. proposed. And you origin. always, you always hear about this stuff. I am here uh, on today's episode of Good Job Brain to well, tell PSA. you that if you, if anybody ever said says to you, "Oh, do you know what the real meaning of this nursery rhyme is?" They are probably wrong. They they pro- they probably do not know because these these things are folklore. Yeah, like we, they don't know where they came from, and there's we don't have anybody to tell us like, oh well, this is what I meant when I did it. And a lot of it is back solving. You know, a lot of it is sort of like trying to cram a meaning onto it yep. later yep. on. Or I'm at, you know, a lot of them are acorns that they was mis mistranslated at some point two hundred years ago, these, and that well, just sort of is like playing telephone over generations. We get down to, and that's exactly what happens with the nursery rhymes. The ver- version of the nursery rhyme that we have today was told and retold and told and retold. It was never really written down. You know, I mean, it was written down, obviously, but you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like there was, like, one book where everybody got it from. Right. And so the version that we have that people are trying to apply all of this sort of, you know, knowledge to saying what it really means, mm-hmm. those words are re- – those words were repeated by generations of school children and mutated in a giant global game of telephone. Yeah. Those weren't the original words <laughs> yeah, in yeah. those cases. So, so for example – were any no, no, of no. them, though? Any Sorry? of them? Literally than- none of them oh, that I have found poo. have those explanations. Has anyone said that this explanation is true? Except for one, which is not folklore, but we'll talk about it. All right. That's a tease. Humpty Dumpty originated um. around 1797. Uh, everybody says, okay, so first of all, this is Humpty Dumpty in case you don't know. Uh, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty, Humpty Dumpty, Dumpty had, had a, a great, great fall. fall. All, all the, the king's, king's horses, horses and all the king's, king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. Right. Right. I don't know why. So a lot of horses. people say, yeah. oh, Humpty Dumpty is King Richard III because he had a hunchback and because he, <laughs> he lost this I've war. This. And after he lost the war, you know, huh. he couldn't figure it all out again. And it's making fun of the king. Now, it's, <laughs> so this is what Humpty, Humpty Dumpty, we know what Humpty Dumpty was. I mean, it was folklore, so nobody knows where it came from, but it, it was a riddle. Mm. Oh, it's a riddle. I would say that to you, and you have to figure out 
Ah. why that makes sense. And is that why he's depicted as an egg? Exactly. So the riddle is now part of the The, lore of Humpty Dumpty. (laughs) The answer to the riddle was he's an egg. Because Humpty Dumpty was actually slang for a clumsy person. Ah. So... I, I would tell you this and like, oh, a clumsy person fell off a wall and, uh, you know, nobody could, could fix him. And, How? and so yeah. it's, it, the, the idea is it's an egg because if an egg falls off a wall, you, there's nothing you can do to, to put the egg. Oh, but back now together. the egg imagery is built in. Right. Yeah. You uh, know that he's an egg. We know yeah. he's an egg because it's in all the pictures. But it used to be, even, there's even printed books in which is like, answer, he is an egg. Like that's, it's a right, written, right. There's like so, the call, call and, or not call and response, but it's like, yeah, asking like a knock knock joke. There, it's, it's a two part performance. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Where, it was a are horses good at putting things together usually? <laughs> well, again, think, no. so the horses yeah. and the men were not mentioned in the earliest, earliest. Okay. Oh, early. it's, it's better because it feels like they made it worse by right. adding that. Yeah. <laughs> More confusing. <laughs> like, yeah. what? But yeah. nothing else is supported by, by any kind of like evidence whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, ring around the rosy. Oh, I've oh, heard right. this one. You, oh, you've heard this one. Right. Yeah. Well, Karen, what, okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll recite the poem and then you can tell me okay. what it all means. So ring around the rosy, a pocket full of posies, ashes, ashes, we all fall down. So what, what do people say about this, this nursery? Um, I think I've heard two before. I'm not, correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. One well, is let's like, just keep it to one. One, uh, one of them's like, it's like smallpox or some sort of horrible disease, like, uh-huh. two, yeah. like and then like scarlet. I don't know, whatever. And uh, and people died, and like the pocketful of posies are supposed to, like our flowers are supposed to keep the corpse smelling better. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's similar to what to one I had heard of. I think about the yeah. plague. And, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, about, yeah it's, ring it's, rash, that it's about the yeah. bubonic plague, oh, and okay, that you yeah. would get a rash in the shape yeah. of a ring around your body, right? And that you would carry uh, posies with you for protection against the plague. So people have to do that, and then you, and then it's not ashes, ashes. It's actually achoo, achoo, as in. You oh. sneeze a bunch and then you die. Mm. But that's not true. Um, the problem is there's there's again there's much earlier versions of this poem and the posies and the sneezing and not all there. that is not in there. No, so no, those there's might like, be added in. Yeah, this and and the thing is, so what is this? It's a it's a game. The 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 kids are all in a circle around one kid who's in the middle, and he is the rosier or the rose tree in in French. Uh, and, and in England, they say ring, ring a ring of roses, you know? Mm. So, and then it's like, and when they say they all, we all fall down, everybody falls to the ground, but the last person to fall has to be in the middle. Then, then they're the rose tree. We would, we would goes again. perform the little dance when I, like when I was in preschool, yeah. we would do the little ring and the dance and fall down, but yeah. I, I don't think we had it even as, as a complicated game. as, yeah, a game. It was, right. Yeah. Right. Right. Just dancing in a circle and yeah, falling well, down. Fall, yeah. Dancing <laughs> and falling down is fun enough as it is. Yeah, exactly. So you fell on. You find version after version in which just, it's like kids, you know, kids here started saying posies and kids over there started saying this and, you know, kids over there started saying that. Uh-huh. So we, we arrive at this. It's not, there is no official version. You know, we right. arrive at it through many, many weird mutations. And, you know, probably what happens is like once one gets written down into a book that's popular, yeah, then, enough, that then gets, it kind of yeah. solidifies. Yeah, Jack and Jill went up the hill. I mean, there's, there's just a million different. Oh, Wait, what's the about, secret meaning for Jack and Jill? It's about the king. Um, you oh, know, he uh, changed the standards of measurements uh, because a Jack was something like Jack is a half a pint and a, a, a Gill is a quarter pint or something like Whoa. that. And, Whoa. and they were parodying. You and know, the, the broke the his crown is supposed yeah. to be right, very pointed. Crown. Yeah. Uh, no, none of it. Wow. It's, just, it's a nonsense rhyme. I mean, somebody suggested, and I couldn't find another source to back this up. 
up, but like it's a nonsense rhyme because you don't go up the hill to get the water. Why would you put the well? Why would you put the well at the top of the hill? So then you have to dig through the hill to get to the water table. The well would be low. Yeah. Why do they go up the hill for the water? This one really stick. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Oh, ah, this is this right. has got to yeah. be Bloody Mary, Mary the first of England, who executed all the Protestants. And right, I've heard Bloody that. Mary. I've heard that. And that's Mary, Mary, quite contrary. And because the silver bells and cockle shells and pretty maids all in a row those are her torture implements wow. that she wow. used to torture wow. the protestants the iron maiden yeah unfortunately so. bloody mary died in 1558 and the earliest version of mary mary quite contrary was in 1744 so that would be like me like writing some humorous doggerel about <laughs> yeah. george washington but keeping it all secret yeah. so nobody knew yeah. what i was really referencing <laughs> we really want all of these things that are that our teacher taught us in I kindergarten to be-, to be about death and murder right like we just yeah. want it to be like oh what they teaching these kids none of it it's, it's because, like, as a reason, kid, just people just want to go, like, like back solve all these things, but it's really just about, like, uh, trying to see, apply it later though. on. I wish I know. they were all. Sorry. All... <laughs> but I will say, I will say this something that we, uh, we know where it came from, and we can't call it folklore based on the fact that we know exactly, explicitly where it came from. Mary had a little lamb. Mary had a little lamb was, was written about a girl named Mary Sawyer who lived in Sterling, Massachusetts. One day she brought a lamb into the school and there was a visiting like college student there. And it was very funny because she brought her lamb to school and everybody thought it was hilarious. And he wrote, he wrote a little oh. poem like Mary had a little right, lamb right. whose face was white as snow. Everybody, Mary went, lamb was sure to go. And he like gave her the poem oh, and he kind of passed it out. It's like, oh, he wrote this poem. So we, you know, we know who wrote it. It was, it ended up in a book, you know, uh, and, yeah. um, that was real. And the, and actually hilariously, um, Henry Ford, who, um, he wanted to turn uh, the town of Sudbury, Massachusetts uh, oh, yeah. into a like living museum of American history. Hmm. Um, so he bought the old, the Wayside Inn that Longfellow wrote about, the stories of the Wayside Inn, and a lot of the like thousands of acres around it. He bought the schoolhouse that was in Sterling, Massachusetts, and this was the schoolhouse ah. of Mary Had a Little Lamb, and he had it moved to Sudbury, Massachusetts, <laughs> on the grounds of where the Wayside Inn is, because he was, like, collecting, like, Americana Con- in the form of, like, Aww. actual buildings wow. and moving it all together. Large-scale collector. Yeah. Well, and, Henry Ford. And that's yeah. where it is. You can go to the Mary Had a Little Lamb schoolhouse. School. That like- is... That is real. A lamb stood here. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. On this the spot. Yep. The lamb. It was against and the, the rules. And the lamb <laughs> was the robber baron. <laughs> and yeah. Mary was the Smoot Holly Tariff. <laughs> and <laughs> All right, and that's our show. Thank you guys for joining me. Thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned a lot of stuff about Greek gods. What they, what stories they actually appeared in, folk music, and also uh, no such thing as a ten foot long fallopian tube. <laughs> so stop looking for one or stripe paint. There should be a store. There should stripe be one paint. store that sells all of these things. That'd be awesome. What <laughs> one variant of that, by the way, in the UK is for uh, plaid paint or tartan paint. Oh, tartan yes. paint. Oh, yes. Paint. yes. Yeah. I like that tartan paint. Uh, you can find our show on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on Spotify, and also on our website, goodjobbrain.com. 
And thanks to our sponsor, Audible. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.